Leave it lizards, Batman. This is pretty much pop and culture podcast. Today we're doing the bat dance in light of Matt Reeves' movie, The Batman. Considering the film in the context of the many past versions of the character and story on page and screen. I'm Mark Linsenmeyer. Dressing up to fight crime is the thing that scares me most. Heights. This is Lawrence Ware, here to be the Robin to Mark's Batman. Uh, i Anthony. I love Batman, especially when he gets his back broken. Oh, Bane reference. Are new to the podcast today. John, introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is John Wall. I was brought in just to talk about Batman because I've studied him forever. I even geeked out and did some papers in college as part of my English course line. So glad to be here. And your podcast day job? Yeah, we have Marketing Over Coffee. We cover marketing and tech. We've been doing it for over 15 years. So that's been a a huge ton of work. And uh, yeah, I'm psyched to be talking about something fun for a change. Well, did you guys find this movie fun? Let's let's just to say we're not going to spoil right away. It's going to be the normal thing that we'll kind of talk in general about Batman and about the movie and what we thought. And then at some point, we'll wait a minute. Okay, wait, this is the same thing. I had the same issue last podcast, Mark. Here's the issue with this. This movie came out. How long ago was this? This was what? It came on on HBO Max now. It's it's now now. everybody who wants millions of people around the world saw this movie. And the people who didn't see it in the movie theater, they can now watch on HBO Max. Come on, man. Do we need to say the spoilers? Everybody see the movie. Let's see when it comes up. You could just start off by stalking right away and just spoiling it. I could just do it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be the jerk. It's fine. Anthony, so you come at this from the comics point of view, right? But you've also, I assume, seen... I worked at Second City for a very long time. I work at Nickelodeon now and I'm a comic book nerd, but also work in the world of creating content in this kind of way. So for me, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I thought it was ambitious in the idea of trying to basically take a season of television and force it into a movie. And I thought it was mostly successful. I feel that if it was anything other than a known property, you'd be like, what's happening right now? But because it's Batman, you have some investment. But I thought that attempt to try and do like a season of television in a movie, I thought was cool and interesting and made it for a better version than some other. I think that personally, this is the best closest version to a Batman in movie form that's not animated that has happened because it was an actual detective trying to solve crimes and not just a really cool movie that was shot by a cool director that did really cool stuff that really is a, only a Batman that looks at his gadgets once to solve a sort of a crime in one of the movies of the three that got made. There was more detectiving in this thing than any of the other live action ones, which is why the best version of Batman is always going to be the animated series. Slash Mask of the Phantasm. John, opening thoughts? You know, it's funny because I saw it on HBO. So I watched the first two hours one night and then I watched the third hour the next night. And that was really weird because I was totally in love with the first two hours. They're exactly the same. I was like, this is a real detective movie. This is finally, you know, we've got him chasing the Zodiac killer and it's the real deal. But then the next night when I watched him try and blow up all of Gotham, I was like, oh, here we are, James Bond again. You know, Blofeld's trying to take the whole city down. So it was a lot. You know, I was super high on it after the first two hours. And then with the third hour, I was like, well, it was still really good. But it seemed like they really, again, hitting the detective thing was huge. We've never seen that piece of it. It's been more James Bond, you know, devices and cars and all that kind of stuff. So I disagree with both of you guys, but it's fine. I'm not going to be angry. I thought the movie was great. 
it did a good job of blending the fact that he was a detective, the world's greatest detective, which I will admit it had been not as central to the story as some of the other films, even though I would argue that there were some really good films with start people where he was a really good detective. The last third, yeah, it kind of deviated into the action, but it kind of held the center of being kind of a film noir with the score, with the direction, with the sound, with all that stuff came together to make it essentially a film noir uh, version of really seven, really is what kind of it reminded me of more than anything else. Point nevertheless is I like the movie a great deal. Is it the best Batman movie Outside of Mask of the Phantasm, which I think is the best Batman movie ever made. I'm not sure, uh, but it's really, really good. I would definitely say it's number two. But really, I really would encourage you to kind of go into the entire Batman lore. When you get into the depths of Batman and start looking at The Dark Knight Returns and getting into Batman Year One and all the other kind of stuff, you begin to kind of realize how there's this kind of really tapestry of Batman storytelling that makes me disagree with these guys. So I wasn't sure, Lawrence, if you were also a comic book guy, but it sounds like that you have some familiarity with the comic. You don't know this about me? Have you not read my writings? I know you're a film guy. I have this right here next to me. <laughs> yeah, X-Men all over the place here. The first appearance of Bishop in X-Men. Longtime listeners know the general outline of my interest in comics books, which is I didn't get into them until I was an adult. And actually, I mostly have followed Marvel, but it's mostly been author-driven. So I had read Frank Miller, Batman. I had read uh, Alan Moore, The Killing Joke. For this one, I had not, I don't think I had previously read Batman The Long Halloween. So that's one of them that I read in full that I would recommend to people. And also, Batman Year One is a late 80s Frank Miller thing. And Batman Earth One is a Jeff Johns more recent. I don't know what the year on it. So those were sort of the three I actually brought home a very large stack, most of which I did not get to because there's too much Batman. And I guess I'm not sold. I hope you guys can sell me a little more on. I've read a lot of X-Men over those years. And yes, it gets trying. Like, I'm not going to read every 90s X-Men or every like there's parts of the run that I don't have a lot of use for. And I did spend a little time at some point, like reading the oldest Batman, like when he was just beating people with his fists, generic robbers and, you know, none of the charm. I guess there's always been this fight between the, is it dark and scary or is he camp with the 60 TV show? And I was raised in all that stuff. And I rewatched this time the first, uh, you know, the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batman movies. And I mostly liked it. I mean, it's interminable when it gets to the end. And Prince had no reason to be associated with that movie. So, so having, let's, let's have timeouts for some music videos. But, you know, I had fond memories of those Tim Burton ones and fond memories of the TV show and also really liked the Nolan stuff. And I guess I saw this new one as initially, at least, you know, until I was reading reactions to it, that it could have been another Nolan movie, that it was similar enough in its dark tone. I realize now, you know, that it's setting up a new thing, that it is more like the year young in that he is younger. The reason that he's emo Batman is he literally is barely a brand new Batman figuring out what it is to be Batman. You know, so I guess year two or something, if you're more accurately than the year one. So he has some established relationships. I'm glad they didn't do a whole origin thing again. (laughs) We didn't need that. But it's still he was meeting a lot of these people for the first time. And I like the gangster Gotham thing. There's a lot of things I liked about it as a cinematic experience. It didn't blow me away. Maybe the way it seemed to have some of you, but I enjoyed it enough. One of my favorite Batman's 
comic book wise is identity crisis batman that is like the thing that made me actually like batman even more. I, I don't like superman i'm not a superman say fan. a little more what what is distinctive about identity um, so, crisis so, batman. So, I, so identity crisis is a whole storyline of basically where spoiler alert you find out that the, the people who are supposed to be superheroes are wiping people's the criminals minds and kind of putting them back out so it's this whole thing in which batman's like you can't just like erase people's minds. You're tampering with people. That's not right. And they're like, well, we're superheroes. We should be able to do this. And there's a whole internal kind of fight where Batman's the one that's kind of like, especially fighting with Superman of like, this is wrong. This is morally wrong. And it kind of leads them on this path as you go towards a whole world of like the crisis storylines that have happened of kind of setting Batman up as this person that even though he's a vigilante, he also has this certain thing of like, yeah, I fight people with my fists. I'm not like meddling with their mental ability. It's like a weird code of like, almost like I fight the people that come at me with weapons. I'm not <laughs> predetermining someone's evil and then getting rid of them kind of world. And that's a cool version of that. Like it's a complex character that you have in that world where I think for a long time, your Superman's, your Wonder Woman's, they're just very much like, I'm the superhero. This is what I'm doing. And I think crisis did a lot of things with that setting in that path, I think. And so that's why I like this version of your Batman, you know, even more so than the Nolan one, I think, of like really showing the how the sausage is getting made. And I think that's the cool part about this movie, I think, is that you're seeing it's not just an, it's an origin, but it's the origin of his process, not the origin of how he became Batman, as in why he's doing it. It's how he became the Batman that we fear in the night. Like it's us seeing him build that legend and lore of like, he can solve anything. He's smarter than everyone else. He outwits people. He also is a little bit more tactical. He's a little bit more agile. He's a little bit stronger than people. That's what I like. It's, he's not some God figure who's just shown up, who can just blow things up at will and murder a city full of people with no conscience. But he's a cool a character that's like that thing of like, when you're at the top of everything, what becomes your responsibility as this person you know, as you exact justice, like you're a vigilante with the code. Are you a ninja, you know, or you're a samurai? Which one are you? You guys are going too far. First of all, I will not sit here and stand for the Zack Snyder Batman slander. You guys are acting like that just did not happen. Like Ben Affleck was not a great older Batman. Now, that is an older Batman. It's an aged Batman. That is one of the best Batmans I have seen. It's a really good Batman. Now, number two, are we sure Batman in this movie is smart? Because I didn't get the impression dude was that smart. I'm sorry. Like, you guys may have seen a different movie than I saw. That dude was fine. I mean, he was beginning to be a good detective. But was he a great detective in this movie? I mean, that is a low bar, dog. That's a low bar. That's like, I'm smarter than my dog. He's smarter than a really cool android. Well, that's the problem with Riddler stories, right? He needs to be a genius, but he can't be smarter than Batman. So you kind of have that checked. But I have to say on Ben Affleck, the problem I have with Affleck is we didn't get enough of him. He should have had a, a whole movie. That's the biggest problem with that Batman. Yes, I agree with that. But Batman v Superman, the story mechanics were weird. I didn't love the story mechanics, but the Batman character was really, really good. Batman in Zack Snyder's Justice League, that Batman is really, really good. So you guys like slandering that Batman. I'm not going to stand for it. That's not happening on my watch. I'm sorry. We're not doing that. So some of what I'm hearing is, you know, it sounds like, Anthony, from your description of identity crisis sounds like civil war, that he's sort of being the Captain America. And well, he's Captain America, but he's not a symbol. He's closer to Daredevil in terms of his torturing himself, you know, just Daredevil with money, pretty much that he has the same 
basic gymnastic powers and you know he doesn't have the blindness or whatever but it's that kind of hand-to-hand fighter but i also have a bunch of gadgets to give the idea that the basic core of it is it's the guy who's the vigilante that everyone thinks goes too far calling everyone else saying you've gone too far and that's what the conflict is of like when the person who is the most dark human is like hey y'all what's going on this is wrong what does that mean when that person is the one stepping up and calling people out it seems like not only is he the first I don't know, you know, historically what things were like in the 40s or whatever, but seems like the first hero that is putting on animal costumes and stuff, you know, the beginning of a very long tradition of people dressing up in wacky ways, whereas Superman is like, yes, he has a cape and things like that, but it's not a costume in that same way. It's really his actual like alien wear, if you will. Um, That's what's going on with Superman. It's not him putting on a costume. Really, him being a human is him putting on a costume. And then also it seems like Batman is the prototype for it's an invitation for let's try to make this grittier. Let's try to make this more realistic. It's strange that it's both of those things that he was sort of the first, the invitation to goofiness. Like it's not an accident that those old serials were done that way. And, you know, having the costumes and having those styles of villains with those, you know, the Riddler and the Joker and like these are the penguin like camp sort of seem like they have camp built in. But yet because he is tortured in a way that Spider-Man is not necessary, you know, that it invites the Frank Millers and stuff to come and like, well, what would this be like in real life? And which just has ushered this whole era of with the Punisher and other sort of dark heroes, you know, Daredevil, I mentioned completely torturing himself, just all these self-hating superheroes. Yeah. So I guess, what do we think about those two things fused into one character? And, you know, has this, have these both been positive things about superhero culture? I would say, here's the thing. And I mentioned, you know, John, I'm guessing has done a lot of research in that Batman world. The Trinity is the thing that our world of uh, the government system checks and balances itself, right? So how all three, which is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, exist in the comics currently or wherever they are, kind of defines each other, right? They kind of check each other. So the more godlike you have of your Superman, you know, it becomes a little bit more of that Batman is the pinnacle of human nature, but also the darkness is there to kind of counteract the Boy Scoutness, right? And Wonder Woman's magic can actually hurt Superman. There's a whole kind of thing that happens there that moves throughout time. And so I think that our Batman is the one that's always has the more fluidity, I think, because both the other versions, you're an alien or you're a child of a god or a god-like human creature. It doesn't change. Where like the darkness of Batman shifts more often based on how he has to play with those other two. And I think that is why we get such varying versions of Batman throughout time because of the small mean here of like Boy Scoutness makes giant difference of darkness. The more that Superman can go a little bit of like your kingdom come Superman curates a really interesting Batman. Explain what the kingdom come reference. I think I read it at some point, but just yeah, to- it's kind of a future world where you have, you know, basically old superheroes. Everybody's old. Everybody's, everybody's old. old. Everybody's old. And you kind of see what happens in, the, in a world where these folks have aged and how they kind of treat their powers in the world and that kind of stuff. It's really, it's great. It's a great read. Alex Ross from Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing with that is, you know, Superman having dealt with death and you always have that doomsday scenario of Superman giving up on humanity. And does he become the authoritarian, you know, overseer or does he go off into seclusion and hide forever? 
And so there's always stories about that. And Bruce actually kind of bringing him back from that is a, is a different take. You know, one way to think about that is for the Trinity is policeman, fireman, soldier, right? The, like Superman is always the fireman. He's making the huge rescues, pulling people out of explosions. He can do the big stuff. Wonder Woman's the warrior. And Batman ends up being the policeman. And so that gives him that different approach of it's got, you know, it can be everything from noir detective, you know, almost to police academy if you want to get campy. You know, there's that whole range of police style stories that he can do. That's right. In Batman 6, when they, there's a blowjob under a, a podium, not that, not that police <laughs> academy, not that element. That's terrible. I can't believe you just said <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> So who's the Bobcat gold with is that, that story? Ah, <laughs> oh, so you guys are all talking as if, I mean, I understand, you know, that's the way that it evolved, but most of Batman's cinematic history has not been, you know, it's only recently that we've had the Justice League actually exist and they were all created by different properties that became DC after the fact. And the early TV show probably didn't have the rights to any of the other. I don't know if they ever mentioned Superman. They might have, but probably not. Probably it was a one-off. So much of the public consciousness of these things is just driven by the films and sort of what was your Batman. And I've had people that don't even want to see the new Batman because they love the Nolan stuff enough or actually in my house. My wife was like, didn't want to show the Tim Burton ones to the kids. Like, cause the Nolan ones, that's fun. Like, just do that. So there's something about the storytelling continuity that we all want to have, unless you're, are, you know, a very tolerant comic reader type of person. And like, this is what Marvel is trying to actually get us all on board with the idea that, Hey, there's a multiverse. It's okay. We can have stories that don't make any sense. And DC was already in that camp long ago, like not making any attempt to have continuity. And now they are also, you know, with the Joker standalone movie and that's, well, that's different. That's a, trying to make us tolerate stories that are not ultimately world building. I mean, I think that they are going to try to connect them because the Flash movie, which has been pushed back, was supposed to be something where they're going to kind of say that these stories are interconnected, but not necessarily connected, if that makes any sense. So they're going to try to play around with the notion of there being multiverses and whatnot with that Flash movie. Because I think part of the reason why the Justice League failed was because they got the cart before the horse and they tried to make this like multiverse, large, expansive story without really doing the kind of groundwork that Marvel had done uh, for really 10 years, I think, at that point. Well, not maybe not 10 years, but at least eight, seven years. But I do think that you're right, and it's always kind of been the hallmark of the comics, is that there there is always in the back of your mind this multiverse like this. So many different Earths, so many different kind of ways kind of get into that. Uh, Flashpoint plays with that, all the kind of... So it gets into the, the issue of all these different kind of worlds. And so you're able to have a weird kind of campy Batman while you're also able to have a dark, serious Batman. And it kind of makes sense in the tapestry of what DC the comics are doing, but it's never really made sense in the context of what DC, the movie production company, I guess, is doing. And I'd say your movies are still pulling from places, though, right? Nolan. Batman is still your Dark Knight Batman. An average viewer might not have the context, but the feeling is coming from somewhere. They didn't just pull it out of mm. the ether, so to speak, which, which I think is why they do feel so different because Frank Miller has a certain way of doing things that just makes it the way it is that then you know, leads into other you know, stuff, which is going to be different from other people. You can think of more opposite writers of, I think, Frank Miller and Jeff Johns. You know, that, that is just 
It was so different, you know, and that's why very, very different. And and that's why Frank Miller works so great with, I think, Batman, where Jeff Johns does great with Green Lantern stuff. That's their wheelhouses a little bit of, you know, Jeff Johns does the wacky, cool, zany, big, cosmic y business a little bit in a way, whether you like him or not, it's a better version of him. I enjoy Stargirl. I feel enjoy it. It's a good time. Is it great? No, but is it a fun Wait, wait, the TV show? I don't know it's based on you like it. Wow. I like it because it's fun. Like it, it's a fun time. I think it's more geared towards kids and it's a fun teenage angsty. Yeah. The question that I, you know, introduced this exchange we've been having here is just, is it supposed to be dark and gritty and there's something satisfying about that because we're all Game of Thrones fans or something? Or is it actually supposed to be fun? And Batman is sort of the thing that has tested that most. And even just having this, it's a noir and it's three hours long. Like, I think a lot of people, even though the overall tomato score is pretty good for this, but anecdotally, individuals that I have talked to have felt like, yeah, the Nolan ones were testing my patience too. Why is it that long and that dark? It should be fun or why even do it? It's a superhero movie. It's about wish fulfillment. Is Batman a superhero though? Superman has powers. Wonder Woman has powers. Green Lantern has powers. Flash has powers. Batman has money. And so I'm not sure it's a superhero film. I've never saw Batman as a superhero person. I've always saw him as like a film noir guy who's dropped into a world of superheroes. So that's why this film felt so authentic for me. This dark, brooding detective guy who is trying to figure out what's going on. You know, Now, a Superman movie like this would not be smart because this is who Batman is. I think the issue is that people have a bad expectation about who Batman is. Like they really don't know who the character is. And this is who the character has always been. And now, is this the best Batman? No movie. I'm going to say it's probably The Dark Knight. I actually think The Dark Knight Rises is actually really, really good, even though people really disagree with me on that point. Let's stop for our sponsor break. It can be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you have high interest debt. And sometimes it can be even harder to ask for help. But that's where Upstart comes in. Upstart powered personal loans can help you pay down high interest debt all online with simple and easy to understand payment terms. Upstart has helped over 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom. You can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 without impacting your credit score. And if you're approved, you can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So you want to lower your rate of what you're paying You want to consolidate what might be multiple credit cards, and maybe you have on top of that personal expenses you want to fund, Upstart can get you one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. And if you're thinking, my credit score is not so good, Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score. Their model considers other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash pretty. That's upstart.com slash pretty to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided on your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash pretty. One thing that got me on this, and I'd love to hear what you guys think about this, is, and it's come up many times in the comics, that Batman is kind of part of the problem. You know, like they only had regular criminals until he showed up. And now there's all these really crazy criminals, you know, that are taking it even further. But what really made my head explode in this one was this idea that, no, actually, because you went on this trail of vengeance, that was the problem. If you had stayed around and managed the money, the corruption wouldn't be there in the first place. And that whole idea of like the rich not doing their part or putting the funds back to work in the community, like that was the root of the whole thing. 
And and because the vengeance thing comes back and bites him at the very end, you know, the terrorist says he's vengeance and he sees that. And I was surprised too with this whole movie of Batman being out in public, like even just him walking among other cops and him walking around outside. The director said like that was part of his vision was that Batman would be out amongst people, not just hiding in the shadows the whole time. And that's where he should be at. So that idea that him slacking off on the philanthropy was what caused all this. Good. Make sure I circle back and, and say to Lawrence's question. Yes, I do believe Batman is a superhero by the definition of the toys make you one, just like Iron Man or Green Lantern is a superhero. Come on, man. If I put you in a suit that's more technologically advanced than everyone else, that can. Get out yes. Of here. <laughs> okay, yes. Ba- okay. Batman has a bat copter and the Batmobile that has armor plating and he has all just. Yeah. It's so you're trying to tell me that Elon Musk is a superhero because <laughs> Elon Musk has all this money and all this stuff. If he makes a thing that makes him stronger than every other human in the world and can kill people with it. Yeah. It's a distributed Iron Man. So Iron Man just puts all his stuff in the suit. He could build other stuff. There's, you know, I guess he does. It's not publicized so much. And that's where you get into that difference of technical semantics, right? Of like, Batman is a superhero, but he's not a super. Supers are people who have superpowers versus people who are the heroes that rise above everyone else. But one thing that, that John did say that I think that is interesting about this movie specifically is that it does lean into a lot of the social political things that a lot of Batmans don't deal with. Like even where I had a conversation with someone about, I don't know if I want to see this movie because it's, it's weird a little bit where like Batman's like beating up on mentally ill patients. And I said like, well, watching this movie, this version of Batman is also a person who has things of depression and other, and there's all these things yeah. that are playing into his dynamic too. And they, they show that more. Like you see his sadness yeah. and his, you know, like not wanting to get out of bed stuff that is like just so different than normal Batman, which makes it more of that. You know, okay, yeah, I get that. He's in that same world as some of these other folks and having to fight with these demons in his head. I know people complain that there wasn't enough uh, Bruce Wayne in this and that that was sort of the point is because he's kind of figuring out. But the Bruce Wayne as a play, but like the thing that Iron Man played into is like Batman as Bruce Wayne could be an alcoholic, a sexaholic, blah, blah, blah. Like you could add more problems onto him as opposed to Bruce Wayne merely being something that he feels like he has to do to have an excuse to be in public. Would that be against? No, those are not Bruce Wayne. Those are not Batman's problems. He just appears to be a user, you know, who's with a different woman every time and presumably a heavy partier. He can't actually be taking heroin or whatever that just everybody else at the party. What did 80s Bruce Wayne? If he's at those parties, he's doing lines of coke. So (laughs) that's that would affect you physiologically. You can't just then. Oh, no, no, I'm Batman. I'm going to run my detox. You know, Bruce Wayne barely exists. Talking about the animated series was like the one place where, you know, he always had a tan and brown suit and his, his voice was always brighter when he was Bruce. There was actually some Bruce there. Yeah, pretty much everywhere else. And even in the comics, too. It's kind of like, that's just a suit he slaps on when they need a few extra panels to explain something that happens during the day or him hanging out with Lucius Fox. That That's how where the money comes from to drive all this. But otherwise, yeah, Bruce is barely in the picture. Especially with this movie. I imagine with the sequel, I imagine they would have to get into Bruce Wayne a little bit deeper than they did with this film. And there's a demarcation between who Bruce Wayne is and who Batman is. And so... To make it a Batman movie centrally, I think is was smart. Now we need to get into the Bruce Wayne of it all because now we see that there's stuff 
with the Bruce family, with the changes they made with Arkham and whatnot, that allows for them to kind of get into the depths of who Bruce Wayne is and what he's dealing with and his relationship to the city and whatnot. And I think we would get a different version of Bruce Wayne because of, you basically have a movie where he tried to kill Bruce Wayne, basically. So now his EC is like, yes, yeah, this is my family's fault. I have to become the actual like good Bruce Wayne, not the playboy, to save yeah. the city in two different ways, right? There's some interesting Easter eggs that touch on that. One is interesting is they do flash hush on the screen. So you have the whole Bruce Wayne as a kid with Tommy. Um, And then the other one, Martha Wayne having mental illness problems. Also, that touches back to the Flashpoint stuff. I'm interested, too, is the whole Scott Snyder Court of Owls thing. Scott Snyder did a run like early 2000s or late 90s of there was a whole... Illuminati underneath Gotham, this court of owls, like all the wealthy people in Gotham were part of this. And it goes back over a hundred years. This whole idea that there's a complete infrastructure under the city that's driving the corruption. And yeah, there was a whole thing where Dick was actually, you know, part of the court and he had a poison tooth and he, you know, there's just like all this crazy stuff that kind of comes out. And that whole run has kind of a real horror movie feel to it and kind of like a rock and roll heavy metal thing to it, which was a whole new picture too. But this idea of him kind of fighting the underside of the city and not knowing who's really aligned with who is, could be great. And they definitely touched on a lot of that stuff with this one too. You know, the whole, all of Gotham being corrupt really. Right. And so the way that, okay, so can we talk about the movie now, Mark? Can I get into spoilers? I think we've okay, been so, spoiling any, already anyway. So go okay, ahead. So spo- spoiler alert, spoiler <laughs> alert. Go, go ahead, go ahead, Anthony. One thing that you mentioned, I think earlier, Lawrence, old Batman. Uh, if you not watch Titans, it's okay. But the one thing I really loved about Titans was old Batman. Like there, there I was agree. also the same deal agree. of that yeah. same thing of like, man, I've messed up and I've ruined kids. I've ruined people's lives. And like that dealing yeah. with thatness. I think that's also where we're seeing in the modern era. Batman is the most complex because he can't hold all these things. He can mm-hmm. be the good guy and the bad guy at the same time. And I think that's, that's a cool yeah. thing that other Southern, the main folks can't really be. You know, in that same way. That's why this movie, I think, is a little special because you are getting more layers to Batman that are truly gritty that other movies didn't quite even give you sometimes. The fact that this is an early Batman, we probably won't get into this more than likely in this movie. I just don't think we'll have the time to. But Batman has ruined the lives of so many children. Like Robin, Nightwing, he is a really bad mentor. Is this the case of the reason that Robin and characters like that were introduced is because at that point it was being aimed explicitly at this is a light and fun thing for kids. And wouldn't it be great to have a character that kids can relate to? So we'll throw Robin in there. And then when you make a left turn and you say, no, 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 Batman is dark. This whole thing has to be gritty. And then you connect the dots and you say, oh, man, what is Robin doing there? That's bad. That's a child in danger being exposed to all these horrible things. Like it's, it's like these two elements, the evolution of not just comics, but I think with Batman, it's just especially acute results in post facto tragedies that like something that was introduced for innocent reasons gets <laughs> like legit tragedies, man, like really, really bad stuff. On the one hand, Batman is just like, he's a really bad mentor. <laughs> like, he trains them to be a good fighter, but at the same time, he's really tough on them, really hard on them. And then he has the people who don't like Batman, who therefore target the kids to get at Batman. It's, it gets really bad, really dark. When you start looking at what happens to Batgirl, when you start looking at what happens to everybody, everybody who is young surrounding Batman, bad stuff happens to almost all of them uniformly. I would argue worse than what happens to Batman. 
like the kids suffer more than Batman actually does. And so that's a completely side issue, but that is absolutely in the forefront of my mind. Going back to what John was saying about the Court of Isles, Owls, rather, I think the movie sets it up perfectly because once the movie is over, like the city is in shambles. I mean, so, you know, the city is underwater. Like it is perfect for the Court of Owls to kind of come in because it could be an issue of we had this stuff running. It was perfect for us. You jacked it up. We have to kind of address this. Like it's honestly perfectly situated for it. Like it's almost as though they were looking forward to the Court of Owls. Now, of course, Joker was introduced, but I don't know if we need another Joker. I, I just, I don't know how I feel about that. Because we have the you know, Joaquin Phoenix Joker. We have the iconic Heath Ledger Joker. I just don't know if we need another Joker. And then, of course, the weird Joker that was in the Zack Snyder universe. I, just, I don't know if we need another one. The Joker in, in this movie, in that deleted scene, there's two things, right? I, I hate it and I like it. I don't like the fact that, mm-hmm. again, like you said, Lawrence, it's like the Joker figures everything out in a second, you know, so it makes mm-hmm. Batman look like an idiot. And, mm-hmm. But I did like the idea that the thing that has shaped him the most is the first person you put behind bars, which is the Joker. Like when that's the mm. human that you go after first that now sets the tone for you, you're like, man, like that's why he's so dark and like he's trying to, you know, he's living in the shadows. It's like, like I a, you, you, and I thought that would have been a cool thing if they had not had the Joker solve it, but kind of call him out of like, why are you after this guy so much? Getting under his skin of like, you're just as bad as him. You know, that idea of just being like, the vigilantes are bad. He's a vigilante. You're bad. They're all bad. Right. I thought that was cool. And it's the, the eeriness of like how it was shot was like, yeah, man, if that's the guy you went up against the last year, like, yeah, you'd be real effed up too, right? And thinking, Absolutely. I got to be extreme on everybody, you know? Absolutely. A major part of what happens with this Batman is that he learns how to be a good guy. So it's clear that the Joker set him on this path of being this really dark guy. And so him learning how to be a good guy was an important part of this movie because it ends with him kind of being less, less hard. No, I don't, I don't know how to, how to work. It ends with him being better. And so I do think that it's worth exploring, but I really wish that Joker wasn't in jail because it would be interesting for him to be out on the fringes, not the center, but on the fringes influencing things. That would be really interesting to me. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's actually like Riddler's Buffalo Bill and the Joker is more the lector, you know? And I think if they were to do a Joker thing, he would just have an insane body count, you know, because the Riddler at least had a path for what he was doing to kill, whereas the Joker always goes off and, you know, whatever he feels like killing this week is going to happen. So that could be lunacy. But you got to save the Joker, too. The Joker always gets overplayed. You're totally right. They shouldn't do it for the next movie, maybe a movie or two out. And there's so many great villains to mine anyways before going down that path, too. Absolutely. But so many of them, actually, I just Googled a like weirdest Batman villains article that I will have to link folks to, but seem like they would not translate uh, unless you were trying to be super campy, right? If you're trying to do it like this is, you're not going to necessarily have Calendar Man or Egghead or Condiment King. I'm not familiar with Condiment King. It's more like the comparative, you know, like where you're like, you got a good six to 10 great characters in your Batman world, where like you go on the Flash one, it's like you're already in crazy town by the time you get to three or four. You're like, Weather Wizard, you know, it's like, what, what's happening? Captain Boomerang. That's why Batman also, if you think about it, has been done the most, you know, because when you do mm-hmm. Superman, it's always Lex, you know, or it's or Zod. It's the same couple of people where I feel like Batman, even animated, you're getting a lot of characters in there. Or even you're bringing those characters and having them play with <laughs> Superman and Wonder Woman when you get to your Justice League or Justice Unlimited and that kind of stuff, you know? 
to, to be honest, the one that I think would be really, really good that we've only seen one version of that I thought was way over the top would be Dr. Freeze. His character is really interesting. But you've already had him. Arnold did the <laughs> like perfect I, freeze, Mr. Freeze. No, he did not. He was way over the top. But, you know, in the comics, Batman, I wouldn't say sympathizes, but definitely understands where he's coming from. And so that would be an interesting one where Batman is conflicted. And it's like, we got to stop this guy. He can't let him do the bad stuff. But at the same time, I understand why he's doing what he's doing. That's great cinema. Don't make him over the top. You know, don't make him weird like he was with, you know, Joel Schulmacher's movie. But nevertheless, if you ground him, put him in a real world kind of situation, that could be a great story. Stanley Tucci, I could see doing that role. Mr. Zaz, too, is another character that doesn't get enough time play who creeps the hell out of me. What is distinctive about a Batman villain as opposed to like, this could not be a Flash villain. This could not be a Spider-Man villain, whatever. I think it's the darkness. I mean, like you think like Scarecrow or Joker, you have a lot of people like they kill people and they don't care a little bit or they do, but there's a lot more violence in that motive. I think of them where you go to Flash or even the land of Spider-Man's Marvel's different because I think Marvel does allow for a little bit more range in that where you have some goofy, but also the goofy people are murderous and crazy. Like Mr. Sinister, you know, like um, that's mm-hmm. a world where it's like, he's over the top gregarious insanity, but he also has a eugenics murder. You know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a murderer. He's, he's, a he's, he's basically, he's a murderer who believes in purity. You know, that's a crazy thing. But that's also a little bit of where Marvel leans into that. DC did eventually, but, it, you know, it took a while to get to that place. And you kind of retcon some of these older villains to have some more complexity to them or add things to them or change them slightly or you know, that kind of stuff. But I think that I'd be interested as these movies go on down this path also of do you start to add in your Robins or your those kind of characters? Like, how does that play into it? I thought it was cool of playing with Selena Kyle and having this world of like the good and the bad there. Like, that was cool. You know, do you have her come back where she's more hardened and more that criminal world and how does he deal with that with her coming back in that kind of place i also would be interested to see in this a thing that i thought was cool about this movie too even though it was clunky i agree the last hour is not great but i like the attempt at trying to deal with okay a modern version of you know you're queuing it up right as you're doing but like a modern version of, you know, you're going to lean to that, lean into it. So if Batman's the detective and police officer, what does that mean? Like, how does the city actually treat him if he is that person that he's over excessive? He's doing these things like what does that actually play into? Of Are you really keeping the city safe or not? You know, you have the corrupt cops, but like he's not trying to be corrupt, but he's still he is a person who is in a world where, you know, we're not tolerating the success of justice in real life. What does that mean in this modern version of Batman? Like, what does he have to deal with in that situation of that conflicted nature? I think it'd be interesting to play with. Do a version of it that isn't going to be too on the nose, but could be really cool. Look, okay, we all agree that the third act was over the top and whatnot. But listen, it's a superhero movie. Like, Black Panther, I love Black Panther. But one of the things that I wrote about, and I got so much hate mail about it, was that the third act of Black Panther wasn't great. Like, the CGI was weird. And it was just big action set piece. But every superhero movie is going to have that. If you make a superhero movie where it ends like people sitting down in a room and having a tense conversation, they're going to be pissed. Like people will come for you if you make that movie. 
And yes, it's going to be clunky. And yes, it's going to be over the top. It's going to be too much action. It's going to be this, that, and the other. But you got to have it. And so how to have it, I think this movie did as good of a job as you can do while still pleasing the fans who need that action while also being true to the story that it was telling. Yeah, I would say Black Panther, though, and this I, I agree with you, that CGI fight crazy. But the thing that Black Panther did do that I wish this movie had done, and it's a little bit in that world of where, because it's when you like, it's a little too long, is Black Panther still settles down into that moment when the sunrise happens. That's happening in a yes. Disney movie. A Disney yes, movie man. just said that line. Yes, man. Oh, on that. Yeah, dude, you, you know, right. that narration at the end. And I wanted something like that where you had a little bit of that moment. You need to say it out loud because it's better that also that other character said it. But I, mm-hmm. I wanted something from the Riddler or something like that, a thing that kind of got him of like mm-hmm. that would push him to be that person that's going to be the QAnon way, you know, versus it really being the Riddler. And I think that's what the Joker's lines were supposed mm-hmm. to be. Those yeah. words the Joker said is what should have happened in that movie, probably from someone else that's like, you're no better than these other people. You are a villain too, dude. That's why he gets you because you're a villain. Mm-hmm. Great point. John, we're in the home stretch. What is the thing that you most wanted to talk about that we haven't yet talked about, whether it's an aspect of this movie or a, another property or whatever? We've hit on all the the hot stuff, but I think Lawrence nailed it because I hadn't thought about that, that they had to do that huge ending. As much as I love the detective story, they couldn't have not had a giant explosion on the way out the door. They, they just couldn't get the movie made if they didn't do that. So I appreciate being able to see where that comes from. It's always seemed a bit of a conflict to me just mixing gangsters with the rogues gallery, right? The rogues gallery is so colorful. And then what the villain, and this is just going to be a gangster. Like, okay, so we'll try to, we'll make the penguin one of the gangsters, but he's not fully penguined out. He just looks a little penguiny. He didn't have to be called the penguin. They could have just had a different gang. But I mean, that's one of the things to try to make it grounded. I mean, the same way of like, let's make the Riddler more just a serial killer. We're going to try to make everybody some sort of, semi-realistic version of it's still heightened, it's still very stylized, but that verisimilitude seems to be something that audiences care about, even in a superhero movie, and maybe, again, a Batman movie more than others. Yeah, well, it is great that like, the Riddler's not just good at puzzles, you know, like that was the 1950s thing, like he could, <laughs> he could just, it's just not dangerous. I was listening to another podcast that was saying, you really could call him the Riddler? I mean, isn't the Riddling kind of a minor thing about, shouldn't they just be the murderer? <laughs> Shouldn't they be mostly just... I mean, th- that's a really good point because, like, the riddles in this movie were, like, whack as hell. Like, they were kind of not good. Like, they were very challenging whatsoever. Just like this scene at the end of the movie. It's like, I thought you were smart. Like, dude, you do nothing to, like, be so upset about this point. Like, for example, if you play, like, the Arkham games, like, those riddles are hard. The spirit was there, and so that's why I was fairly fun. I was just happy it wasn't an enigma, like, just, I'm happy that wasn't his name. Yeah, right. And I think that's where the seven-ness happens a little more than the Riddler. Because like the seven yeah. connection, he's not having you solve a puzzle. It's more of giving you the message. And yeah, it's making you work for the message that I already made. And that's why I love oh, seven so good. Now, seven is the movie that I went and watched almost immediately after I saw this movie. Because seven is a master. And also the game. Yeah, I should mention, because I watched the hour and ten minute pilot of Pennyworth today to see like what else in the Batman universe is happening. And, you know, it was fine. It was a nice little spy thing. It had Thomas Wayne in it. So that's the only reason, (laughs) like, but I did not necessarily feel like this is the Batman universe. Like it didn't have enough fun or something that I'm still expecting 
unless the Batman universe has just expanded so far that you just can have nobody's in costumes and <laughs> they're just various people who are trying to overthrow the government. And I really didn't like that show. That, that show felt like a cash grab. It was like, let's make a spy show, but just like throw it in the Batman universe. I watched one episode and I was, I was off that. Gotham was a little bit better. That, that Fox show. That was a little bit better. I got through a few seasons of that. That's actually a favorite of my wife. That actually has enough fun to it, even though they're all psychotic. It does not feel too dark. Because he started as Alfred Hitchcock. You know, he was like supposed to be detective. And then, you know, now he's like retired special forces and side brain surgeon. You know, I mean, he can fix and do anything. But, yet, you know, Alfred's had the same kind of run from one thing to another. And Anthony, you had mentioned Titans, right? I watch all the Berlanti shows, you know, just because I'm, I'm invested at this point from Arrow on. But I think that Titans tried so hard to be like, we're dark and uh, we're swearing. F Batman. You know, that was the, that was how it came out the gate. But I think that when they did get to the Gotham arc in this last season, I think it was, it was really, really cool. And I, almost really good. and I almost wish like, why don't you just start there? Like that should be where you started, which is like deal with the fact that Dick Grayson's a messed up human who's been ruined by this person and him trying to come back and be like, no, I'm trying to be better as the mentor that you never were. And like, don't take me down your path. And then also you have the Red Hood, which is like amazing villain. And so I think that I feel like if you like comics, you could just skip to season three of Titans. You know, you know all this stuff. You, you, don't, you don't need to watch it. I will say, though, that it says something about the animated DC engine are the best. I've had Absolutely. so many conversations about like, like what is so great about that Absolutely. that makes it so like, you know, like movies that are even shorter, like, hour and a half movies, hour and 20 minute movies that are like better than like some of the other superhero stuff that gets put out that's full live action. It'd be interesting to kind of talk through like, what is it about those animated shows that allows that storytelling to just be so good in a really great way? Master Phantasm, again. The best Batman movie, like hands down, not even a question. All right, I'll, I'll give him a try. Batman. I've been skeptical about such things. And, you know, when I tried, we had the Wonder Woman episode and I watched the animated Wonder Woman thing. I'm like, ah, I didn't really need this in my world. It was, it was all right. But I understand that some of these are more direct. If they're just adaptations of comics, like, why not just read the comic? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of the feats of Well, no. It, so some of the DC movie, cartoon movies are adaptations of comics, but it's just really good. Like, it's just really good voice acting, really good storytelling. And I would argue that the best DC show on right now is actually the animated Harley Quinn that's on HBO Max. It is so amazingly good. Like, I cannot praise that show enough. It is really, really good. And it is in the, the Batman universe, but it is doing its own thing. It is, and it's also hella funny. Hella funny as well. Really, really good show. Two weirdest shows is that, that and Doom Patrol. Like, Doom Patrol is another great Agreed. show. Agreed. It really, really is. All right. Well, if folks have time to stick around for a few minutes, maybe we'll have some supporter only more recommendations and geeking out about random things like that. But let's say goodbye to the audience. Thank you to all three of you. Thank you, John. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash prettymuchpop. You can also now get all the bonus content directly through Apple Podcasts by signing up for a paid subscription there, which gets you ad-free episodes and extra talking not only for Pretty Much Pop, but also for my other podcasts, Nakedly Examined Music and Philosophy versus Improv. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life Podcast Network, and it's also presented by openculture.com.